By listening to Hormones, Health, and Happiness, you agree not to use information contained in the show as medical advice to treat any medical condition. It contains personal opinions, and you should consult your healthcare provider before acting on any information from the show. Thank you for your listenership, and enjoy. Welcome to Hormones, Health, and Happiness, conversation with Dr. K. This is Crystal Webb, nurse practitioner with Fort Wayne Endocrinology, along with my co-host, Dr. Rashid Kadambi, the endocrinologist and owner of Fort Wayne Endocrinology and Bell Sante and Spa. So, Doctor, we've created this web, this podcast to really bring awareness to bioidentical hormones. So, for those who don't really know what bioidentical hormones, how would you describe that? Well, the term bioidentical hormones is, if you break it down, is biologically identical. So that basically means it's very similar. It's very similar to what your body naturally would produce. So it makes sense that when you replace a hormone that's missing or deficient, that you do it with, a, with, with an exact replica, exact copy of the missing hormone. And that's what we mean by bioidentical hormone. It has to do with molecular structure. It, doesn't, it has nothing to do with uh, the source, whether it's from animals or whether it's from plant sources. It all, all that it says is that when, you, when you're replacing the end hormone, the hormone is an exact match to your own hormone. So that's what we mean by bioidentical hormones, which is very different from the hormones that are being universally used or most, most commonly used by the pharmaceutical lobby, which includes things like Prempro or Premarin, which are biologically very different from human estrogen and progesterone or human uh, hormones. So you've been using bioidentical hormones for, what, 20 years in your practice? And for our patients, we've been able to see that you're adding quality of life to their years, you're adding life to their years that they have left. And I've been a prime example of that, being a patient of yours before I even started here as a nurse practitioner. Uh, when I was after pregnancy with, in my postpartum period, uh, you had placed me on compound thyroid because of some postpartum thyroid issues that I was having. And I then went to some pharmaceutical options, which felt made me feel horrible. And then coming back to your practice and uh, getting back on compound thyroid, I didn't know how good I could feel. And doing the combination of T3 and T4, which are both of your thyroid hormones, it really did help me to have that vitality back in my life. And we see a lot of that with our patients. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah that's what we see. <clears throat> that just one hormone alone, which is Synthroid, or uh, also known as Levothyroxine, the generic version, uh, doesn't often uh, do the trick. You need a combination of T3, which is the Synthroid equivalent, as well as uh, the T4, which is the Synthroid equivalent, as well as the T3. It's not until you replace both the T4 and the T3 that you see optimal response. So for those out here who have had similar situations, they've gone to doctors and have been given these traditional pharmaceutical options, and they say, I still don't feel well, and come to our practice. Uh, what? Uh, how do you get their fear? Because people have been afraid of hormones. They have been told that they're bad and they cause cancer. How do you get people to get over that 
fear of hormones? Yeah, the hormones are, you, you know, they're not created all equal. Each hormone is radically different from the other. Uh, it's like saying, you know, eat some vegetables. But a tomato is very different from an onion. It's very different from uh, spinach or lettuce. So they're completely different um, uh, species, so to speak. So all hormones are not bad. And just because a few of the hormones were shown to cause cancer in some of the studies, it doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater and say <laughs> everything is bad, okay? Yeah. So, what, like, why did they get a bad rap? Well, they did get a bad rap because uh, way back in 2002, there was a study that was released that uh, looked at what happened to women, what happens to women when they're placed on uh, the standard pharmaceutical hormone replacement, which is Prempro and Premarin, which is at that time the most commonly used treatment for menopause what were the long-term effects and to their surprise they found that uh, a lot of women who were using the prem pro version uh, prem in combination of horse estrogen and a synthetic progestin of prem pro they were coming they, they they saw an uptick in the rate of breast cancer heart disease blood clots and strokes so they said okay we're going to stop the study because you know too many women are dying from it so that's the precise reason it got a bad rap. In fact, the very month the study was released, the sales of Prempro dropped more than 50%. And was, was it really significant though? Like, do you find that hormones really do cause cancer? Well, uh, if you, actually if you look at the details of the women's health study, there were a few more cancers per thousand. So on a, on a percentage basis, it may seem that it was a big percentage increase. You know, like a 30%, 40% increase. But on, on an absolute basis, I don't think that was that relevant. You know, for example, 8 per, th per thousand women versus, say, 15. That's almost doubling, but it's only increased by 7. So uh, as a percentage increase, is, it's huge. But on an absolute basis, it may not be relevant. So everybody stopped prescribing Prempro. You said that the... Uh, prescriptions that they just dropped off when that study came out. So didn't you open your practice shortly after that study came out? Yeah, that was actually came out two years after I started my practice. Uh, we, however, continue to use hormones because we use the right kind of hormones. Yeah, so what was that like when you had people thinking that hormones were taboo? Were you ostracized because you were still prescribing them when everybody wasn't? Well, it was, it was crazy. The phones were ringing off the hook. Why, you had women coming to you? Women coming to me uh, saying that uh, what I do, I have all the symptoms, but I can't take hormones because, you know, it causes cancer. My doctor told me to stop it because of the cancer risk. My, uh, I, literally every statement, every, every time I walked into a patient room, I can almost hear the patients say, you know, they'll start the conversation with, my doctor says, and I know what follows. You know, the conversation really starts that way. She said, my doctor says... And I said, yeah, I know what the doctor says, but this is how we're going to do it. Um, yeah, but, I hear the yeah, but always, yeah. Yeah, but my doctor says this. Yeah, but it causes cancer. The yeah, but happens all the time. You know, it happened a lot to me in 2002. Um, not a question of being ostracized. A lot. One of the doctors, one of the OBGYNs in town said, you know, when your patients came to me on hormone therapy, you gave them this special hormone creams, they said one or two patients said they're feeling good, so I thought it was just a coincidence. Then 
when a dozen or so patients started coming to you and leaving my practice, I thought <laughs> I should find out what this doctor is doing right. So mm -hmm. he actually, this doctor actually had a change of heart. He actually attended one, took, attended one of my seminars and then became a convert and became a very avid supporter of bioidentical hormone replacement. So I've had some, I've had lots I've had several seminars in the city and also out, outside of the city and also internationally, teaching doctors how to do the hormone replacement or how to properly do bioidentical hormone replacement. And I have met uh, no doctor that has taken the seminar has ever uh, been negative about it. They may have been negative coming into it, but getting uh, having taken the training program, uh, they were overwhelmingly positive, and their patients have benefited greatly. Well, and going through those seminars to become certified to do bioidentical hormones, I thought it was enlightening because you're, I was not taught this in school, maybe a little bit of a snippet of it in my program, and so it was enlightening to me. And I, I kind of wonder, is that why so many other providers may say, no, you shouldn't do that, that causes cancer, that's going to cause clots. Do they go with the that thinking because they're not taught this in school? Uh, that's exactly right because most of the continuing education, you know, after after you graduate from medical school, and actually, frankly, even the medical schools themselves have been tainted by Big Pharma. Big Pharma funds a lot of their educational, you know, um, ventures, and sometimes even they fund their uh, chairmanship and, you know, the directorship, etc. They actually receive a lot of funding, research funding for the institution. And it becomes very difficult to uh, criticize their products if you're receiving money from them. Uh, although it's supposed to be independent and what, we, what they call an unrestricted grant, it never quite works out that way because if they find that you're anti-pharmaceutical industry, they just go take the money and go somewhere else. They won't necessarily badmouth you, but the, the, the money will flow where the money will flow. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's what, one thing that I noticed. I was put on the first medication that's by guideline, that's what you're supposed to use. And that's typically what everyone will do, but a lot of people don't feel well with that. And even before I was put on thyroid medication, I felt like I had a lot of symptoms and I never got diagnosed. So do you feel that there's people out there being underdiagnosed and or not utilizing the best medications that are available? You know, I could literally do a, 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 an entire podcast on just the <laughs> guidelines and why guidelines are, uh, should be discarded and uh, not much, paid much heed to. But we'll go into that at some later point during the series of webinars, podcasts that I'm going to be hosting. Um, be that as it may, I think uh, the reason why people get on these uh, conventional, what we call the pharmaceutical brand of hormones is simply because they've been taught that way. Uh, nobody's ever taught him to do the bioidentical hormone replacement because it's not taught in medical school, neither is it taught in residency program or fellowship. In my entire endocrinology fellowship of two years, I never heard the word bioidentical, phrase bioidentical hormones. In fact, I don't even remember treating women with menopause. At that time in the 90s, it was thought that you know, women go through the chain and they must simply, you know, just grit it and grin and bear it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So now we know differently because we, we have effective treatments to make them feel good and not, not just that, also to help them 
avoid complications such as cardiovascular disease, dementia, uh, and things like that, and just getting old. Well, and that's kind of what I find is funny, is that now that we're treating women for menopause, they tend to bring their husbands in because there's really not a lot of... Uh, lot of consensus that there is actually a decrease in testosterone production, which the term coined andropause. Do you, do you find that that actually really does exist? Yes, actually andropause is a real thing and we can talk, we're going to talk more details about it in subsequent podcasts. But it is oftentimes the women, uh, of, uh, the women that I've treated will bring their husbands and or significant others, significant others to my office, you know, to be quote unquote fixed. Um, because you know now that they are fixed then the husband is not they're not on the same wavelength and you know this causing some kind of a discord here friction so to speak so she they often end up bringing their spouses um, having said that I would think that if I, if I treated the male patient they would just take the treatment feel happy and be quiet about it but women patients are different my women patients are my biggest advocates and I don't I don't mind having all women as patients because they are the ones who spread the word so Another hormone that I kind of wanted to bring to light in this initial podcast was uh, growth hormone. So I'm a huge football fan, and a lot of the hot topic around the sports world is concussions and post-concussive syndrome. And I find working here that we find a lot of people who have had concussions that then end up having growth hormone deficiency. So do you think that there's something there with concussions and growth hormone efficiency? The short answer to that is yes. The long answer to that will be we'll revealed in subsequent podcast. podcast. Yeah. But however, I must say that uh, growth hormone deficiency is, is, is a very underdiagnosed condition, mm-hmm. okay? just like thyroid deficiency. And just let me take a step back. The reason why a lot of the hormone conditions are underdiagnosed or missed, or, yeah, missed completely is simply because people uh, you are people think of hormones as you know all or none it's not all or none you know it's more like a dimmer switch so in other words you don't one fine day you don't wake up and find your thyroid missing your thyroid gone it just sort of dwindles and dims over time much like a dimmer switch it's not like your on and off switch not a, it's not digital it's more analog and this is, the, this is a concept that has sort of evaded a lot of people, in fact, including medical practitioners and doctors. They haven't quite gotten the grasp of it that it's suboptimal. So we never talk in our clinic, we never talk about normal or abnormal. We talk about optimal or suboptimal. Mm-hmm. So in other words, your, your test can be normal, but it may not be optimal. That's, the one, that's one of the key criteria, key fundamental belief systems that we base our practice on. The other belief system is uh, is when you replace the hormones, obviously replace them to, with the natural hormones. And the third key concept is when you replace one hormone, do not ignore other hormones. Oftentimes it's a cocktail that's needed. Yes. So these like, are the three building blocks of our, our philosophy. Yeah, just like women who have had a hysterectomy who are thinking that they don't need progesterone. Right. Women who have had hysterectomy often are told they don't need progesterone. Believe it or not, they need progesterone and they also need testosterone because that's mm-hmm. another hormone that the ovaries produce, which are now which have now been removed. Yes, yeah, and 
uh, with thyroid, that's one of the things that people would only only give that T4. And I think that's what is was remarkable with my change was that you had T3 and T4. So it's the combination that really worked. Yeah, I can tell you stories after stories since we're just shooting a breeze here. You know, a lot of people say, Doctor, I've been doing all this. I can't lose any weight. You know why? Because they don't, they're being replaced with Synthroid. Oh, doctor, I got Synthroid, but I gained weight because they've not gotten the T3 yet, okay? So the, they're missing the active component. The T3, the thyroid doesn't work unless the T4 gets converted into T3, which begs the question, why not give T3 directly? Because that's what the thyroid gland does when it's healthy. It gives you both the T4 and the T3. So it would, it's, it would seem ludicrous to just replace a T4 and just completely ignore the T3, which is what is being done most of the time. Yeah, do you know when I was going through uh, school, I was actually told, don't even look at the T3, that you don't want to open that can of worms. So I thought that was really interesting. Like, why wouldn't you want to open that can of worms? Because you don't, are you afraid of what you're going to find? Well, if you don't open the can of worms, you're never going to catch the fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in the in the this podcast, we want to highlight a different hormone each podcast. So what, what do you think you want to focus on next podcast? Because well, I have some pretty interesting stories I could tell about my postpartum period. Right. We can certainly start with your story of your postpartum period. And since it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's girl power, so we're going to talk about female hormones first. Yeah. We're going to talk about estrogen, progesterone, mm-hmm. and uh, how also possibly a little bit of testosterone. So we can talk about women's health, women's hormones next, and we can also talk about the male hormones in a subsequent podcast, and then we can talk, we can do an entire podcast on just growth hormone, you know, how it's used, and how it's abused, and how not to use it, you know, how to use it, how not to use it, what's legal, what's illegal. Then we can talk a whole, we can do a whole thing on entire seminar just devoted to thyroid, okay? And then we could also do other minor hormones like DHEA, melatonin, those other kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. and I like... Uh, that we have so many different hormones for low libido. That is one of the biggest complaints that we get here. Is I don't have a low, I don't have any desire to have intercourse. And, and that's so. fairly common because a lot of times when 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 people go through their midlife, oftentimes it's their second the second turn at, at marriage or you know at a relationship. So in that case, uh, and oftentimes their spouse may be significantly younger. And they need to, you know, maintain their, you know, their vitality, mm-hmm. and that's when they talk about libido issues because, you know, they have this, they just married this young gal now, and now all of a sudden they have very little libido, so they come literally in 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 in, in a panic situation here to see me. That's the only time a male will come to see me on his own is when he marries a younger woman. Otherwise, it's the woman dragging the male. Yeah, and that's what I find funny. It's like, now you fix me, now you have to fix my husband. <laughs> We're in the fixing business. Yeah. So, any other burning comments you would like to make, Doctor? No, I think this is, uh, you know, we are going to be celebrating our Independence Day, mm-hmm. uh, 4th of July, and uh, there are some guarantees in our Bill of Rights. Uh, our Bill of Rights simply says that we are guaranteed certain Ill, inalienable rights, which is optimization of hormones, prevention of disease, uh, optimization of your health, and the pursuit of happiness. 
So thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. And always wishing an increased health span to all.